Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. And at 5.07, let's get right to Governor Tim Walls, who is on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Governor Walls, thanks for being on with us today. Good to be with you, Jason. Happy New Year. You were off serving lunch today at uh, a local school. And I yeah, I wanted to talk to you about the school lunch program. And our listeners know I have been advocating for universal school meals uh, since it was first proposed. I fully admit that, you know, I'm all in. I think just like we provide books and we provide whiteboards, we should provide the basics, which is a meal. To me, it's a no brainer. As someone who can afford to pay for my kid's lunch, I'm not going to lie. I sort of enjoy essentially a bit of a tax break from the state in that I don't have to pay for my high schooler's lunch. But I say that so people know I'm on board with you on this. And the cost is quite a bit more than expected because so many people are taking part. So what 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 do we say? That's a good problem, you say. Well, first of all, no, I appreciate it. And I, I think the vast majority of Minnesotans are on this. And I get it of folks saying, look, you know, it, you had some added cost onto this. We had 1.2 million more breakfasts served and about the same number of lunches served. That, that means there are 1.2 million Minnesota children that weren't eating that lunch at school. Now, now some could say, well, why are you subsidizing everybody? Well, I, I don't really think wealthy families and their kids weren't eating, and now all of a sudden they are. What I do know is there was a lot of middle-class folks like yourself, like my family, like many others, many who were close to that cutoff point that simply didn't qualify for the free and reduced lunch. I share where you're at on this that, look, we don't charge them for water out of the fountain. We don't charge them for the carpet that's in their classroom or or other things. But here's the thing. That means when we have 1.2 million more breakfast serves, we're seeing, and we'll get the data on this, attendance is up. We know that students that have a healthy breakfast start the day better able to learn and better able to regulate their behavior. So in the long run, we're going to see not just individual cost savings, which they're significant to individual families. We're going to see it across uh, the economy as we start to see behavioral issues go down. We start to see better achievement. We know that the science shows this, that they're better connected. And I think what you know, Jason, I've heard you talk about this, whatever. There's more food insecurity than many people recognize around them. And we see this time and time again in the world's wealthiest nation, in the middle of the most productive farmland. By the way, we're buying these commodities from our farmers, and then we're being able to deliver these good, healthy meals. So I think, one, it's it's ethically the right thing to do, making sure these kids have something to eat. It's fiscally sound in terms of, in the long run, we end up saving money in other costs that we would have had. And you're seeing a direct benefit to the families that are out there. And look, I know there's a lot of taxpayers. Well, they we're, don't have we're, not, we're not going to save $300 million, which is where this thing is going to cost in two years, are we? Over the lifetime of millions of children, tens of thousands of children, 
Um, if we get better outcomes in terms of their education, if we get less behavioral issues or people entering into the criminal justice system, look, you can buy school buses or you can buy prison buses. This is an investment in families. This is an investment that we've said from the child tax credit to early childhood education to these meals of making sure that we're preparing the best qualified, healthiest workforce in the world. So we invest all the time. You invest, you spend a little money to, uh, uh, get something taken care of in your health, it saves a lot in the long run if you do it on the front end rather than fix it on the back end. But look, this is an expense, like you said, we, we pay for electricity in those yeah. schools, we pay for water. We have a belief that the public school system is the most equitable way, and I think it's proven globally that America's public school system has helped create one of the strongest economies and one of the fairest systems that, that's out there. So it, uh, this is just another way is, to strengthen them. So as someone who's in favor of this, I also am sensitive to the the concern of saying like look taxpayers are paying for something for people i'm nowhere near the cutoff for free and reduced lunch so is there an openness to say like all right maybe we make breakfast kind of a the a means tested situation since we maybe still need this data for the federal program and make lunch for everybody is there a way where where we look at that at all well, it's a fair question. And look, other states are starting to copy this now. And I just was on with the uh, Secretary of Education last week. They're looking at, do they need to do things differently, how they figure out on their reimbursements, because this is a better way of doing it. When we start means testing or we start asking people to bring in information, we know there's a lot of families through no fault of the child don't have the capacity or aren't willing or don't have the skills to be able to get some of this stuff back in. And we've always created these lunchrooms where there's haves and have nots. Somebody has a certain ticket. Somebody has to go through here. I would encourage folks who are concerned about this to go to their local school, to see the interaction in those classrooms and to know when that kid's spirit, the cl- I supervised the lunchroom for 20 years. It is a time where kids can be themselves. It's a time when they're together and it's a time to not differentiate them of who has it and who doesn't. I'm telling you there's got to be a significant portion of that 1.2 million kids who are showing up simply didn't have it. I hear from parents writing me and say, look, I'm just at the cutoff, and it was hell. My kids wanted to eat at school. We couldn't afford it. I got up in the morning. I had to make breakfast. Many times it's the moms doing all this. This woman in Grand Rapids says my life is so much better right now, and I think we're seeing the benefits. Well, I, I don't think those. nobody questions that, right? No one questions that there are people right around that middle, but it's the people it it's the people like me who are nowhere near the cutoff or people, yeah. you know, who uh, I, I suppose my response to those people is that I didn't get any money back from the state with the big old surplus. This is a way I'm getting a little money back. Like, I'm not real mad about getting a little bit of a little bit of money back. Oh, you get money back. So I do see the positive of it. But I but there are the frustration. There's there's a lot more anger about this than I'll be honest than I anticipated. I'll tell you, if you're angry about kids eating and that we've got more kids eating and more kids attending school and that we're funding in public school, I'm not sure I've got an answer that's going to suffice for that. You know, if this is, I I got mine, you don't have yours or whatever. We all contribute things on this. Public schools is one of those. We also contribute to helping our seniors. We have a school, we have a meals program extended out of this. I mean, that's, that's just part of it. We we need seniors to be applying and getting the benefits. Too many of our seniors are, are so humble that they worry they're going to take it away from someone else. We need to, we need our seniors to step up and, and take the health that's out there. 
40% of our food is wasted. This program we talked about over there being very careful, um, almost none of this is wasted. They're very good. These school nutritionists and these schools are very good at targeting it. We waste about 40% of the food in this country. I, I think it's important for folks to realize um, the vast majority of the world lives on about $2 a day and that most women spend the bulk of their time trying to get fresh water. The idea that our children can go into school and learn and have a breakfast, again, purchased from our local providers. And I would say this money also uh, that's being saved in these families is being turned around and spent on the local economy. Maybe they're now able to buy a new, you know, something. Maybe they're able to take a vacation, whatever it might be. It's not as if that this is a finite set that went in and it doesn't do anything. This uh, Again, if, if you're worried about your taxpayer dollars, feeding a million more kids with healthy meals while they're in school, I think it's a pretty good investment. Governor Tim Walz is with us. I want to ask you today, the state Republican Party launched a website to save the current state flag. The chairman, David Han, writes, the DFL quest to erase our history is repugnant and should be rejected. What do you say to that? Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Well, I was overfeeding kids while that was happening and and working with law enforcement on some issues. So I think it tells you, um, I guess, the next front in a culture war. Look, Minnesota is a diverse state. It continues to grow. This flag was crafted in the 1890s, changed again 50 years later. And it's it's highly offensive to a large number of people. And and, and there's very little debate about that. Many of these folks, I would question whether they even knew what was on the flag, and it's very generic to others. This is a sense of pride with the North Star, us identifying ourselves, having a great new state seal that identifies with the loon, with our great outdoors, um, not from a time past where, you know, systemic issues against indigenous Minnesotans was, was somehow fine. But that doesn't surprise me. Um, come help us feed kids. Uh, come help us implement um, the public safety money that we put out there. Uh, help us celebrate today that 80 one percent of Minnesotans no longer pay Social Security tax. Focus on the issues that really matter, demonizing kids and now, you know, somehow saving the Confederate battle flag. These are the arguments that happened with Jefferson Davis statues in Alabama. And we're just not going to do it. Um, that this is a decision that's made. I think Minnesotans can be proud of this. And I just have to tell you, Jason, I watched this argument around the Vietnam Veteran Memorial when I was still a high schooler and we were doing a project on this. That thing was reviled when it first came out. And there was even racism around the, the creator of the Vietnam Veterans Memorial. Now it is the most beloved monument on the National Mall. And I, I, I will make an attest that this, I think this state seal and this uh, state flag will be well known. When you see the Colorado flag, you know it's Colorado. Um, when you see the Minnesota flag, the one current one. Um, it could be Indiana, Nebraska, whatever. This is just meant to be a source of pride. We're the, we're the North Star State where everybody belongs and everybody has a place. Governor Tim Walls is with us. Uh, just last month, your uh, administration came forward and said, you know, we, we uh, still have a surplus, but if things continue along the same way, we're projecting an imbalance uh, going forward. My question to you is, did 
the DFL trifecta, you and the legislature, spend too much money last legislative session? Uh, No, we're not. We still have a surplus and we will be structurally balanced going out. We made investments, whether again, I want to be clear when Republicans say they don't want any credit. Okay, everybody getting a Social Security Remember who that was from. Every water treatment plant, remember where that was coming from. Um, So, no, I think the one thing that I made clear of and that you saw was I kept stressing that it needed to be one time funding. Now, if we'd have done what the Republicans did, and there are many states, the report just came out on this, many states made long term permanent um, income tax cuts to some of their top brackets. They are in a terrible position. Minnesota's not there. Most of this was one-time investments. We're going to catch back up on our roads, our bridges. Um, we're making sure things like school meals that we get going. So, no, um, I think we're going to be in a solid spot. The vast majority of Minnesotans saw a reduction in their tax. We also said, you know what, we're going to have to pay for things. we got a lot of roads. We need to pay for those. Um, so I feel very good. We're going to have to – there's not going to be a lot of programs this year. We'll do some bonding bill. Um, the surplus itself offsets that long-term uh, structural deficit. But I think you should realize this. I fought with Republicans for years and was finally able to get it through with the Democratic Senate. That's honest budgeting. It includes inflation. If we would have been doing it the way they did it before, it would have been $900 million less. Yeah. So it would look like, yeah. oh, we're almost structurally balanced. That's unfair. That's unfair. So what your list. That's true. That's true. Like that change in adding inflation. Yeah. I mean, these are all projections. So it does change the projection for sure. Four years most don't do that. So yeah. for the next two years, the budget that we did, we're still running a surplus. But I do think it says this. I'm, I'm fiscally conservative on this. We need to be very restrained on this. We need to be very thoughtful. I am proud to say that just this week, the Tax Policy Institute came out and said Minnesota has the most equitable taxes of the 50 states. It means people are treated the fairest across the 50 states. Now, some would say, well, that's baloney. I don't want to pay income tax in Florida. Here's the thing. If you're not in those upper brackets and you're in Florida, you're paying more tax than you are in Minnesota because you're paying on clothes. You're paying higher uh, property tax rates, many of those things. So I, I think it, it's balanced. We're going to start seeing the payoff on some of these investments, too. And again, I can't stress enough that uh, the Infrastructure Act is going to make a big difference. And we're seeing being rewarded with things like the tech hub with the hydrogen cell um, Will, will be a major player in all those things. So some of the new jobs, the, new economy, the Rochester, new so, yeah, yeah. I look, Mayo Clinic didn't just build in Minnesota out of nostalgia. They built because they feel like we have all the components of the ecosystem around high tech to be able to make a difference. And we're responding differently. I think one of the things that gets forgotten is we put an awful lot of money into the Department of Economic Development where they're doing things to help entice job creation. Some of these Minnesota investment fund things where we're seeing solar panel manufacturers from Canada say, yep, this is where we're going to do business. So I think what you're going to start to see is we made investments that were in there and um and targeted them. Look, if you're if you were super wealthy in this, you maybe didn't see it directly to your bank account. But probably if you're in that super wealthy, you're employing folks. You have businesses out there. You care about transportation needs. You care about broadband. All of those things um, that we're seeing that improve quality of life and improve. Again, I would note moving into the top five states, best state to do business because the infrastructure and the workforce is there. Governor Tim Walls is with us. Uh, Today, uh, Chris Christie just dropped out within the last hour of the presidential race. We've got Dean Phillips trying to run. Uh, You're the head of the National uh, Democratic Governors. 
Association. I just wonder, as you look at some of the developments, what 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 are what are you seeing out there? Well, you're going to see a binary choice. You're going to see a uh, a former president who is told us he would be a dictator and believes that he has no legal responsibility and his lawyers make the case that uh, there's pretty much anything he can do. Um, someone who did not create the jobs that we've seen, did not create this environment. And I said, what I'm seeing out there as we get closer to November and it becomes a choice between uh, a Biden administration that's delivered on many of these things and Democratic governors that are not focused on um, fighting on a flag issue, but are focused on feeding kids, those are going to start to resonate with people. So I think right now it still is the horse race. I, I don't think we've quite wrapped our mind around the dangerous nature of January 6th to the degree that we will by the time we get to November. And I think what you'll see is, is that um, Americans want us to solve real problems. They want us to find some compromise on things we can. And I think they're done with the distracting, you know, just nonsensical fights um, that, that don't impact their lives in a real way. And I, I think that they want their politics to be decent. I want their politics to be forward-looking. Uh, those are things that I think the Democratic governors will do. In my jobs, I got 11 races out there, um, hold some incumbent seats, and make the case that um, we're hearing it from states across the country. You elect a Democratic governor, you're going to start to see some of these investments from paid family and medical leave, meals for your kids. My my last question before we let you go is that you did get uh, a new cat, right? I did. So yeah, I lost my old one. Yeah, which I am concerned that the Humane Society has lost their mind in allowing the Walls family to adopt another animal. First, first we had the do- we had Scout locked in the closet. Then one cat runs away. Are are you equipped? Are you equipped to really be a, a, a safe animal owner, owner, Governor? I am. I am a good pet uh, partner, and so uh, I said <laughs> this one. Uh, all these rescues. My first one was about a twenty-five pounder, and uh, you had to you had to wrestle him inside. This one's a little smaller, but uh, I will give my shout out to Humane Society. Uh, fabulous folks. Uh, Honey is her name. She came with and uh, well, sure. If I if home. I had your track record of animal care, they would probably tell me to pound sand. <laughs> yeah, the dog in the the dog in the bedroom. I think we we seem to think that you know he just accidentally locked himself in there. I think he was looking for peace and quiet. But he's a smart guy. So, ah, <laughs> oh, very good. Well, Governor, I appreciate the time and your willingness to. Uh, tackle a wide range of questions and uh, always enjoy talking to you. We'll have you again. Yeah, thanks, Jason. Talk to you soon. Governor Tim Walls, 525 here on News Talk 830 WCCO. React away, 651-461-9226. Your texts are welcome, and we'll share some of your thoughts next on CCO. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.